This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Hey, I'm Chris, and Adam and I recorded this first season of the Device and Virtue podcast exclusively for our friends. Now that's you too, so enjoy our first attempt at arguing about tech and faith. Oh, and find our newest episodes at deviceandvirtue.com. So Chris found an article from 1962 called, Is Technology Diabolical? (laughs) What do you think I said? This is Device and Virtue. Well, welcome back to the Device and Virtue podcast. Christian thinking about technology in the church. I am Chris. I'm here with Adam. Adam, how's it going? I'm doing well today. How are you? We're coming to you from Chicago. Uh, it's a pretty good day. Back in Chicago. It's uh, it's slowly warming up around here. And it's slowly cooling down. What's up with your voice? Right. Yeah, I got a cold at the beginning of the week. Uh, and so it's been it's been very white <laughs> you, all you week. You got a lot, of, a lot of bass in there. Oh, man. I'm slowing it down, you know? Seriously. Yeah. So it's going to be a little different today. We'll mark it with... Uh, a nice low bass voice today. Feel good about it. I, I feel great about it. So um, I'm I'm excited uh, because we're talking about. I feel like maybe a bass voice is uh, appropriate for um, German theology. Oh, German theology. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> uh, you you decided to taunt me with this article, and uh, so you came across it. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, I did. So I I sent you this article this week because I saw the title and I thought you would <laughs> love it. And I feel like with your voice, you should say the title. Mm, I, okay, that's fair. Um, is technology diabolical? <laughs> that's actually the title. Is technology <laughs> diabolical? It's an article. Um, you know, my dad sent this to me. That's where it came from. He was listening to our podcast. He, he's on top and of said, it. said, hey, what about this? So this is by a theologian. It's published in the 60s, okay, 1962. Okay. Um, and it's by a guy named Helmut Tilleke. Okay. Uh, say it again. Yeah, right. Helmut Tilleke. Well, Helmut Tilleke. Well, here's the thing. He's a German theologian, and he writes in German. This is like translated, right? Okay. So I had the text my friend who knows how to pronounce German. <laughs> and I actually don't know if we're pronouncing this. Right. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm confident we <laughs> he are. He used a thing on the iPhone thing where you like push to record the sound and like set it into the phone for me, like Tileke. And I'm like, it's not, th- I don't know. I had another version of it. And he's like, no, just Tileke. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like Bible names. You just say it with confidence and people <laughs> and believe keep, you exactly. and just keep going. <laughs> Oh, man. So this guy, um, I had to, you know, I didn't know a lot about him from seminary, but he was a guy that lived, um, you know, 1906 to 1986. So he grew up in Germany. He was around during the Nazis. Oh, okay. So he was interviewed by the Gestapo a bunch of times. He lived at the same time as like Bonhoeffer. Oh, wow. 
um, okay. in Karl Barth, and he opposed the Nazis and was um, part of the Confessing Church for a oh, while, wow. the church that sort of opposed the did Nazis. He s- did he stay in Germany while he was opposing you know, them? I don't know because I, I feel like that's it, a dangerous. To be fair, place to like be. we got attracted by this article, so I like yeah. know what I looked up about him, right? Yeah. You know, I did read some stuff by by the historian Martin Marty, who said some stuff about him. But I guess he got famous enough, like in the U.S., to meet later in the '70s. He came over to the U.S. and met Billy Graham, uh, and he met President Jimmy Carter. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I, I think I'd heard the name before, but that's about it, and. Uh, oh, yeah. But I think he, you know, even though he's not super famous, I think this article really uh, is very thoughtful, well-written, and he kind of unpacks some big questions around technology. So I'm a fan automatically. Right, right, right. The one book that I thought of, um, and some people might remember this one, was A Little Exercise for Young Theologians. That's the name of the book? Yeah, that's the uh, the book that he wrote. He wrote a ton of other books too, but uh, it's about (laughs) how to go to seminary and not become a pretentious jerk, (laughs) Um, which is good. Uh, uh, because Have have, you read it? uh, uh, I've read parts of it. Okay. Uh, But it's it's good. So So you went to seminary, but... <laughs> oh, what are you trying to oh, say? There? I don't know. What I don't you know. You you read part of it. Uh, uh, I read part of it. Yeah, <laughs> only to the only the part where I felt convicted and quit. <laughs> so so I I was trying to figure out how we could talk about this. He has a like it's a theological article, right? So it's a little more dense. <clears throat> yeah, it was a little more dense. I had to reread part of it. Yeah, a second time. Yeah, and but he does some, there's also some portions that are really like clear. Yeah, he's got some images that really make sense and are easily accessible. And more importantly, some questions that are awesome for the kind of thing that you and I like to argue about. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I have like four different questions about the article, and I figured I'd bring them up. So besi- besides, the, besides the title, Is Technology Diabolical? <laughs> right. Besides like the, that, he's, there's some kind of bigger... Yeah, there's uh, sort of different points he makes. And so I wanted to ask you about some of these and see what you thought. Done. I'm excited. I'm in. So here's the first one. Is today's technology completely different than all the technology before it? And so, like, this is what this is what he says. I have a quote. Okay, okay. I'm going to read you this today. Quote. Yeah, like, t- today's tech. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's thinking about the '60s. Okay. But, but today, but like, so modern technology for him. But like, so here's what he says, and and listen in because it's a quote. You know, he says, "Technology is not a mere continuation of the old familiar craftsmanship." A look at the modern assembly line, modern automation, reveals to us a totally different world. Manual workers' tools are amenable to human hands. And we have a relation of immediacy, that's an interesting word, pin in that, a relation of immediacy to what is fashioned. In technology, however, through the interposition of natural forces such as steam, electricity, and atomic power, there has risen a new world of production, which no longer lies in the hands of men, but within which man is becoming more and more a functionary. <laughs> yeah. So that's like dense uh, theologian speak. Um, one of the things that jumped out uh, reading that was uh, his discussion of human hands and uh, yes. how how tools uh he, he manual workers tools are in the hands of of humans yeah like i was thinking of like a carpenter with like a chisel yeah absolutely but then these uh steam electricity atomic power etc autumn automation yes. automatic machines are kind of 
out outside of the hands of men. Um, yeah. And, so what? Yeah. I so he's. I think that's kind of opens on to kind of one of his big points is that you know it 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 goes technology modern technology modern automation goes beyond uh what we can control ourselves to some degree yeah it seems like that's what he's saying yeah. do you know what do you think of this what do i think what yeah what, do you agree with that i think absolutely i i think um technology definitely uh ends up kind of out of control out of our reach because there's so many things when you press the button on the coffee maker so many other things are happening that you're not controlling um Uh even though we have you know specified how it should work um it's but is that like so different than all technology through all history i think so i think I think so because so many things are happening uh, that you're not aware of. So and, you're saying, like in a modern car, like there's just tons of different things going on. All you're doing is, like in my car, I don't even turn a key; I just press a button. Right. All you're doing is pressing the button and hitting the gas, and just there's a million other things right. happening. But it's like you have no relationship to that. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's like definitely smartphone, it's, same thing. It's out of your hands in terms of and and to some degree it's not just out of your hands it's out of your mind i can see the difference in 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 what we're saying that there's a lot more small things getting packed into a big thing yes but, but. <laughs> i'm not sure i agree with him in this in the sense that he really sees technology as completely like all you know it's not the same as goes as this old craftsmanship where people use their hands like like he's picturing, I feel like he's picturing, you know, I don't know, like I said, the carpenter with the chisel. Yeah. And he's just, uh, you can picture like people just sort of, they're making their fire and they're, <laughs> they're you know, doing their crops or something. And he sort of right. thinks of this as a very hand to craftsman sort of thing. But, and you, you know, like I'm a McLuhan, I eat kind of person. So, but Marshall McLuhan says, hey, technology has, uh, the uh, what about the alphabet? What about roads? Like these are technologies that wind up shaping mm-hmm. the whole sketch yeah. of like almost history to pre prehistory and history that are not this sort of one to one. It just feels like this is a very naive sort of craftsman version of technology of a of a guy sitting there on a little rock carving his little stick. Whereas like there's been technology that's sort of massively shaped society since the beginning of humans, like language. Like language, like written alphabet, like roads, like the wheel. And these are not like brand new kind of... Right. What I'm saying is a technology that shapes the whole world in that way, like, you know, he talks about it just as being a direct connection between the human hands and the thing it's being made. But roads didn't just do that. Someone made the road, obviously, but then it shaped trade. It shapes the way Jerusalem, like things go from Egypt to Jerusalem. It shapes the whole modern world. It's mm-hmm. the Roman Empire. Like... These technologies have gone way beyond human hands since the beginning of time, is my thought. Okay, okay. Like, I get that. I, and I get where you're coming from. And I don't totally disagree. But he's talking about, he, he says, uh, he talks about a relation of immediacy uh-huh. that you kind of pointed out and put a pin in, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like immediate, e- e- even, almost, yeah. even the alphabet or the road, you have a relation of immediacy to that in a way that automation tends to distance you from hmm. what is being produced or hmm. 
Um, yeah, I guess if I'm writing with my hand and writing out a, a word, that's sort of this uh, the immediacy, right? That's that's related to the word medium. Like there's a medium, yeah. immediate, right. you know. Like so, right. are we saying what's the distance between me and this thing, or yeah. what's the? And I can see, yeah, a lot of distance between some of these things and, that are highly automated. And immediacy has a knowledge to it that I think he's pointing out that there. Modern technology automation is distancing distancing us from uh, that that sort of personal knowledge of whatever it is. When he sort of gets into this thing about does it distance us so much that it starts controlling us? Right. He had this one example of the telephone. Yeah. Uh, and so I was going to bring up this is the second quote I found. So <laughs> does does technology does the telephone use us uh, or do we use it? Kind of thing. Uh, and of course, he's thinking about not cell phones, but right, just the right. 1960s phone, probably a yeah. rotary phone, black. The corded phone <laughs> that had wires yes. connected yeah, to weird, it. weird, right? Uh, he says, to Millennials mention- be forewarned. <laughs> what is that? Let me read you this quote. He says, to mention one example, we not only use, quotes, the telephone, but we are also afraid of it because it uses us. Because it interrupts the organic course of our work or our rest. <laughs> because in angry moments, we are therefore inclined to class it with the appointment book and the internal revenue office. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, what he's saying seems more true today than when he said it. I, I, I can't leave my house without my phone. There's, you know, all these notifications and you're... Right. Yeah, you're, I mean, you, you literally, you have to have your phone everywhere you go. Yeah, he's like sort of saying like, this is, this is it controlling us? Yeah. Is it taking, technology has become this other thing that's not even us. Mm-hmm. It's like working backwards. Yeah, you don't to, have a choice. Like almost as if the carpenter with his chisel, like the chisel is starting to move his hands. Right. Or right. something. Like you have to have the chisel with you at all times. <laughs> right. and, and your whole life is kind of wrapped around the chisel. So, <laughs> right. So, uh, this made me think of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Like the ring, like Bilbo, is your whole life wrapped around oh, the ring? Yes. The ring. Like, so, uh, and this the is one, actually the one, <laughs> right? The one ring. This is sort of all. an argument he makes. He actually gets into this whole thing about the Tower of Babel from okay. the Bible. Right. Right. So, when folks build up the Babel, you know, the tower, and it's a full technology, and yeah. they're trying to be like God, but at the end of the day, uh, it winds up sort of destroying them. Right. Like the ring. Okay. <laughs> okay, like the okay, ring okay. sort of winds up destroying the person that wears it yeah. or something. And there's yeah. a power here, and there's a technology. And he's arguing one technology is becoming so strong that it's in, it's it's controlling us, and then if we keep on doing this, it's going to be like this is this is sin, and it's going to destroy us. So like to quote him, he goes, the power of destruction comes into play whenever man desires to be a titan, like tries to like be like God, essentially, yeah, like Babel, right. or like put on the ring. So this is a question I have for you. Do you think like people are trying to sort of become like God when they use technology? Um, I don't think that's the thing that's in people's minds when they say buy a new cell phone. Or a new car, right. or whatever. But I don't think. But okay, this is a weird analogy. But you, it's you don't eat an elephant whole. You eat it one piece at a time. And ooh, wise master. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, right. But 
I think the approach we've taken to technology is eating it one piece at a time. And mm-hmm. over time, the more we consume technology in a pursuit of controlling outcomes, in controlling mm. what we make of our lives, that we over time do have more we do end up pursuing a godlike existence where we can control the future of our lives. So that's annoying because I was going to totally disagree with this, but I sort of like your point. <laughs> well, I make good c- points sometimes. <laughs> no, because well, because I'm think I was thinking. Well, no, like like I don't know just what you said. I don't go to the Apple Store and try to be like God. Right. right. And I was even thinking about people that make technology. Uh, Steve Jobs right. or um, you know Edison invented the phone. Is he even yeah. trying to like be like God? I'm like, no. They're trying to like come up with these things that humans do. Yeah, we're trying to take uh, and make things happen that we want to make happen, and we're trying to make uh chaos more orderly and if it's more orderly then it's more predictable and, and we can respond to it before it yeah. happens and like we don't we don't do this all at once we don't think i want to be like god but over time with each new technological development each way to control like the sum of is more than its parts yes I mean, Antilike even uses this for, you know, you're trying to become superhuman, he says. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, and that superhuman comment, uh, he uses that phrase a couple times. uh, And he even talks about when men, when humans become like gods, there is a breakdown of trust between each other. So the way Mm -hmm. he says it, uh, the people who have deposed God and determined upon their own superhumanity can no longer trust each other. Huh, right. And so, if, uh-huh. yeah, that that just makes me sad. Almost like when we have such control that we we become distanced from each other. We begin to fear the power that each other has. So this is this whole, and this is how he sees the world like it's creating barriers between each other then yeah and it's the power and the thing we're trying to do this but he has this question in here that i think is <laughs> critical about this like where is that pain or disconnection or distrust coming from and is it really the technology itself yeah like in the lord of the rings analogy yeah. is it the ring or wait for it is it bilbo baggins like, yeah, like yeah. is it the person wearing it? Like it, like so. He says this. He has this quote. He says this brings us to the question of whether technology is really a menace to man, or whether man, whose arm has been extended by technology, has not rather become a menace to himself. Which would mean that the talk about the demonic character of technology, yeah, the diabolical, <laughs> exactly, is simply foolish—a kind of red herring thrown down to escape more responsibility yeah so can we can we get out of being responsible for the moral mistakes we've made by blaming technology yeah he's saying you're the one that's the sinful one you're the one that would be causing distrust between you and other people like the technology if we weren't sinful the technology wouldn't be sinful agree or disagree (laughs) that's that's a tough one i honestly honestly i think if we weren't sinful we might not need technology. 
I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that or oh, not, but maybe. Oh, oh, now you're baiting me. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's an interesting like counterfactual oh, you're, question. You're, you're a Garden of Eden Christian, not a City of God question. <laughs> yeah, Christian. No, okay. <laughs> you know I mean, that's saying? a fair argument, right? Because right? I'm saying the argument, of course, that yeah. um, imagining a perfect world um, with Adam and Eve, and this sort of they're naked. Yeah, they're just they just pick fruit off trees. Yeah, and it's all good. But and they course, trust each other, and there's no shame <laughs> and no technology apparently. But appa- apparently, but of course. I like to argue a lot about the city that we're going towards and the New Jerusalem Jerusalem and a picture of a city that has built up human ingenuity and not, not, and it is a city, not self-centered, but it's like all through God, God being the center, but like that our creativity, our, the fruit of our hands is built up. Like, do we float around in heaven in the New Jerusalem, just naked like Adam and Eve, or do we have gifts and intent and actions and Big skyscrapers, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's an interesting, we can't imagine almost, we can't imagine technology apart from our sinful humanity. Yeah. I think. Right. Right. We can't imagine technology that goes well the whole way along and doesn't. Yeah. What would pure people with technology look like? What would yeah. pure, because Pure technology, like pure meaning uh, not sinful yeah. technology. Very weird, right? Yeah. So he he says technology is all right, but obviously man is not all right because he has thrown off the ultimate authority. He's thrown off the commandments of God. Yes. Yeah. Right. And w- what's interesting to me here is uh, I relate this back to C.S. Lewis who was writing about some of the same things in Abolition of Man 20 years earlier, He he's asking kind of the same questions. He talks yeah, about the yeah, Tao, yeah. this sort of inborn, inbred morality that we have um, that he would say comes from God. But we, when we throw off the Tao, when we throw off the commandments of God and we, we consider ourselves free to do whatever we want and allowed and enabled to do whatever we want with technology then we suddenly hurt ourselves. It's like sort of is the difference seems to be is somehow are you doing technology under the authority of God or doing it as um, just you're making yourself God? Right. He does that in Appalachian of Man the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it brings us back around to the title question, is technology diabolical? Yeah. Like, if we were sinless and perfect, would our technology still screw us up? And the interesting thing is he sort of says yes and no. Yeah. Uh, he says yes because he does agree, wait, people are sinful when it comes through. But then he sort of says, but wait, technology is sort of its own thing. It kind of goes in its own direction. Is it autonomous? Autonomous. Does it have agency? Does it have independent power? And I, I like this. He makes two different points about that, like sort of a, trying to argue that it is autonomous. One of the things he makes is about um, economics. Okay. Like, uh, sort of like that technology around the world is always comp- competing. Like a company, Apple's competing with Samsung, and they're yeah. always going to keep on going, competing with each other. Or a government like the US and Russia uh, <laughs> might be competing each other around atomic weapons. And right. like, this is the 60s, so he's really thinking about it's funny right. now that today that's still it's still a back thing. around right but like that they will compete so that this he's saying technology sort of does its own thing because of competition it just sort of proliferates 
because good you have word, you right. you have some, and so I need to have as much or more than you, and that competition just keeps inching up. The interesting thing about that argument, though, when I read it, actually, I mean, just talking about it now is if we just ask that question, is it sinful? It makes me think, well, maybe that's not the individual sin, but it's sort of the sin of the system. Yes, agreed, and I think. Uh, because he sort of is using that going, that it's going to happen without. Oh, I interrupted you, but no, it's like okay. it's going to happen without sin. But it doesn't. He doesn't really say a system can have sin. But I think, well, an economic system or the nuclear system that could. Yeah, I mean, we talk. A popular thing today is to talk about the justice system in the U.S. and sure. some of the inherent injustices yeah. within the legal system. Not that any one person is emanating out from the one person wearing the ring, but it's almost right. like the whole system is wearing the ring. Right. And therefore, yeah. And they're just built in sort of algorithms that are taking us in a direction that we didn't intend to go, but it kind of took us there anyways. Totally. And then the 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 second one, he also says that his argument for why technology could be sort of doing its own thing regardless of our own sin, is that the, all knowledge sort of goes on its own anyway. Like the like a scientist, when they're doing a research question, they ask a question, then they get an answer, but that just drives them to go find another question and get another answer. And uh, and he, again, thinking about nuclear weapons, he sort of says it just sort of happens, and then suddenly you have a nuclear bomb, yeah. and nobody even had any individual control over that. Right. It's inevitable okay, that you're going to go in that direction. What do you think about that? What's uh, so? I read a book a couple of years ago. What technology wants? Kevin Kelly, oh, found, yeah. uh, co-founder of Wired magazine. Oh, right. It's a fabulous book, and he he kind of makes the argument that technology has an inevitable direction, and you're going to kind of get to the same conclusions no matter what you do. So basically, Tila K is kind of pointed to two points that he makes that technology is autonomous that it does have agency he's saying it kind of has this natural inevitable direction and that it automatically kind of proliferates over time and Mm -hmm. it just grows without any one person being really responsible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess i kind of wonder though does that make his argument though that technology would kind of lead us into sin even if we were sinless and perfect like does inevitability or proliferation are those inherently wrong or bad or would they take us in a bad direction or would it, or would technology just like you were saying in a different world not do the, maybe that competition right i was actually thinking the second one like the the competition between countries or governments might not happen Right. Whereas the first one, the how knowledge moves on and mm-hmm. builds things could happen. Maybe that's not the sinful thing. Yeah. I mean, it. I think we've touched on this maybe in past episodes, but what does technology look like in the kingdom of God? Exactly. And that's kind of where Tila K concludes the article. And he's asking if proliferation is sort of driven forward by fear and competition... Those aren't the values of the kingdom. The values of the kingdom include things like weakness and mm-hmm. forgiveness and mm-hmm. service and sacrifice. Those aren't fear. Those aren't competition. So the nature of prol- proliferation in the kingdom of God just doesn't have the same energy because people are serving one another. And they might 
use technology to serve others rather than to serve themselves. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. And like, I like that he uses the gospel as sort of this final interruption. Uh, although I noticed that he says right at the end, he says, uh, the gospel abolishes the law of retaliation and reciprocation. It breaks the vicious cycle. It brings a fresh creative breeze into a relationship with my neighbor. But it maybe can only be carried over, I'm quoting this now, be carried over in a limited way into the more impersonal spheres of technology, economics, and politics. Yeah. Yeah. The relationships we have don't need the big systems of technology to really be able to serve and love one another. I think it's a little bit frustrating or unsatisfying at the end of this article because he doesn't really answer it whether technology is actually diabolical. <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, he sort of says, well, oh, it's doing this big thing and possibly it's like putting on the ring and destroying us all. Uh, and here's all sorts of reasons why it's autonomous and doing things. Uh, but then he says it's sort of related to our own sin as well. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the gospel could interrupt this, but maybe not all the systems. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, it... it it has this big picture, impersonal impact on us, but at the personal level, it really comes down to how are we going to love one another sitting across a table? Well, thanks for doing this German theologian article with me. Really good. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Helmut Tileke. Tileke. I found this, uh, we found this in this book called Christ in the Meaning of Life, a book of sermons and meditations by Helmut Tileke, edited and translated, translated by uh, Doberstein, um, 1962. So that's where you can find that essay. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend reading it. It's It goes in a lot of, uh, goes in deeper than maybe we, even did justice so okay uh we as always have to do our vice and virtue vice and virtue and i thought since we were talking about the tower of babel and we're here in chicago i would say skyscrapers vice or virtue oh well it really comes down to me being from chicago <laughs> whether you call it the Sears Tower or not. Oh, yes. Because uh, as we all know here in Chicago, it's no longer officially called the Sears Tower. It's I literally it's, don't remember the actual name. a name which we do not speak. <laughs> oh, the, oh, yeah, you're right. I just don't say it. Uh, but I love skyscrapers. I love running along the lake in Chicago and looking to the natural world on one side, the lake and the beach, and seeing the skyscrapers on the yeah, other side. absolutely. And to me, that is the garden and the city concept on both sides of the way Indeed. it can be good and beautiful on Indeed. both sides. So that I'm going to say virtue. You're going to say virtue. Yeah, you know, there is something magical about driving down Lakeshore Drive, especially at night, I think, and looking up and oh, seeing yeah, right. all the uh, skyscrapers and the stars in the skyscraper and the stars in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> and I've I've thought about those. Um, what, how all these architects have imagined these amazing buildings, and how maybe someday in the kingdom of God, hmm. uh, we will spend all that energy imagining ways that we can build skyscrapers to the glory of God. And I think, uh, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. Virtue. Oh, we agree, virtue. <laughs> well, it we don't agree on a lot, no. so we'll take it for what it's worth. It has been the Device and Virtue podcast. Christian, thinking about technology and the church. Uh, Adam, good to be with you. I'm Chris. Chris, as always, a good time. 
See you later. Later. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.